needed. When I was little, my mother used to take me shopping. And I always got a pre-shopping speech. And part of the speech included, now, Dwayne, when you get inside, there's going to be some very expensive items. And you can look, but you can't You all got the same speech, obviously. (laughs) It makes me wonder what kind of message that sends. Perhaps it sends the message that we live in a world where things break. We live in a world where there may be pretty things you shouldn't touch. We live in a world that's fragile. Even this week, when I was doing my Christmas shopping, I noticed that there were pretty things behind glass. Things that I could look at, but I couldn't touch without assistance. Pretty things that break. If something's so valuable, why why can't we touch it? A world where things break. A world where pretty things are behind glass. A world that says, look, but don't touch. I wonder what God thinks of a world like that. A world where sometimes we're afraid even to be seen, much less touched. And what kind of God would decide to come into a world where people and things are so breakable and so fragile. Perhaps the God of our scripture tonight, where in John 1, 14, the scripture says, the word became flesh and lived among us. In other words, a God who comes to us who moves beyond the barriers and says, go ahead and look and go ahead and touch. I will not break. I am your God and I want to move beyond all your expectations. God is always exploding our expectations, broadening our understanding of who God is. It's what God did most dramatically in the Incarnation. The God above and beyond became the God who moved in next door. God became flesh, dwelt among us, not far away, but up close and personal, approachable, relational, accessible, touchable. Christmas is about a God who didn't love us from a distance. God came to us desiring intimacy and fellowship, and God still comes to us like that today. In a world where so-called valuable things are often labeled, do not touch, the most valuable, eternal, and meaningful one there is, 
invites us to touch and be touched. That's my prayer for us tonight, is that God would be so real that we would know that presence from the inside out. A God who is real enough to be real with us and in us and through us. That's a miracle in a world that creates distances in so many ways. That's the question I ask tonight. How real is Jesus to you tonight? How real is God to you tonight? How real do you want God to be to you tonight? There was a church in San Francisco that had recovered from their Christmas Eve. And the next day the pastor was heading into the office and she happened to look over at the nativity scene and she saw that the baby Jesus was missing. And her first reaction was, was one of anger. So she got her cell phone and was ready to call the police. But about that time she saw a little girl pulling a wagon. And in the wagon was Jesus. So the pastor went over and said to the little girl, nice wagon you have there. And that's a nice Jesus you have there. <laughs> where, where did you get the Jesus? And she said, right there from that church, right there from that manger. And the pastor said, well, why did you take that Jesus from the manger? And she said, well, about a week ago, I was telling Jesus what I wanted for Christmas. And I wanted a wagon. And I said to Jesus, if I got a wagon, I'd give him a ride in it. <laughs> Now what I love about that silly little story that happens to be true is that Jesus was so real to her. Real, real enough to be pulled in a wagon. That's how real God wants to be for us. And I think of that scripture that says a little child shall lead them. It seems like as adults we sometimes create these barriers between ourselves and God. Or as children, it's like they see God everywhere. And they experience God moment by moment. A Jesus that's real enough to give a ride in a wagon. That's how real God wants to be with us tonight. When Jesus grew up, one of the things he said in Matthew 6.33 is, Unless you become like a child, you will not see the community of heaven. So the call tonight is to see Jesus through the eyes of a child. To jump. <laughs> to jump with joy. Yes, we're grown up, but let's rip the paper off that package and throw it in the air and open the gift and see what's there. It just might be love. Where is the child? The child that can now say, I can touch. I can see and touch. Oh, God. God just wants to get so real with us. Jesus made his home with us. He spent his days as we do, working just to maintain life, passing most of his time with nothing extraordinary happening. Jesus was a child who did chores and played games, Jesus listened to stories around the table. He learned the carpenter's trade from his father, 
handling wood and tools until his hands became rough and his muscles strong. In Jesus, God arrived in the world, coming so close that we could see Jesus, smell him, touch him, and hear him. Jesus lived and breathed within human limitations, such limitations which may seem to be a waste of saving power and healing reach, are the very way Jesus chose to save us. Jesus walked through our ordinary hours and locations to gather us up and love us. It's easy to look, but to touch, that takes risk. When you risk touching, you risk breaking. God decided to take that same risk. And when Jesus came, he also experienced what it meant to be broken. There is that risk. And yet it's a risk for love. Most of us, at some point in our lives, will be wounded by the risk of touching. There was a teddy bear that had been touched a lot during its time. It was owned by Tony. This teddy bear had one eye, one ear was ripped off, and there were lots of holes in the teddy bear where the stuffing was coming out. Tony was always with this bear, dragging it everywhere he went, holding it, playing with it, snuggling with it. The reason was Tony had been blind since birth and this teddy bear was the one thing he could always depend on and hold on to. When Tony was about seven years old his doctor heard of a breakthrough technology at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. It turned out that Tony was a prime candidate for this special surgery and the surgeon who had developed the technique was the one who was going to perform the surgery. When it came time for Tony to go to Boston with his family, his mother tried to talk him into a new teddy bear. Of course, he refused. And he went there with that teddy bear with one eye and one ear and stuffing coming out everywhere. And he held on to that bear through the consultations and the x-rays. In fact, he held on to that bear every moment right up until the surgery. As soon as he came through the surgery, of course, the bear was back with him. He held it throughout the recovery process. The surgeon came in to check on Tony every day. And of course that bear was there. Finally, after a long recovery process, they took the bandages off. And for the first time in his life, Tony could see his family. The, 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 the surgery worked. He was able to see the doctor. And for the first time, he was able to see this beat-up teddy bear. As the recovery continued, the surgeon went in to check on Tony every day, and sure enough, that bear was there, and Tony was there. And finally, it came to the point where they could release him. The doctor came in to sign the discharge papers, and he said to Tony, you know, let's, let's stay in touch. You know, I, I own stock in you. I, I expect to hear from you through the years. And at that moment, Tony did something totally unexpected. He, he took the teddy bear and, and gave it to the surgeon. The surgeon's first response was to, to say, no, I, I can't take that. That's too special of a gift. 
But something inside him said to go ahead and take the bear, knowing that it was the most precious gift that Tony had to receive. So he took the bear and he said to Tony, I'll take care of your friend. The bear ended up on the 10th floor of Massachusetts General Hospital. The doctor's name was there. And then a small citation that said, this is the highest fee I've ever received for services rendered. Why? Because it came from Tony's heart. It was love in its purest form. It was a miracle of love embodied in that symbol. God's call for us tonight is to be just as free with our love. Just as free with our hope. Just as willing to look beyond to that place of actual connection. Knowing that we may lose an ear or two along the way. We may get a bruise here and there. But in the seeing and the touching, miracles happen. God becomes real to us, and then God becomes real through us. And that love is real enough to impact our community in powerful ways, which is the real miracle we've been talking about. Tonight we'll be gathering at this table to celebrate the Feast of Holy Communion. We'll talk about the bread that was broken and the blood that was poured. This is the bread and the blood, the body and blood of a God who was willing to move behind the glass to be touched and even broken in the name of love. Communion, the moment for us to taste and see and hold our divine lover. Holy Communion gives us tangible accessibility to Christ. When leaving symbols of himself, Jesus didn't offer an object in a display case with a do not touch sign attached. Jesus instead gave us a meal, something intensely tactile and sensuous. There is something powerful about the senses stimulated at the table. Smell, taste, touch, holding and beholding Jesus who holds us. Every time we come to the table of Holy Communion, we are gifted all over again with the intimate offering of grace, grace that we can see and touch. If you're comfortable, take the hand of someone nearby as we go to our God in prayer. God, tonight we are so thankful that Jesus is not held in a display case with a do not touch sign on it. We thank you that he became real so that we might become real. Guide us and lead us evermore into the ways of love. Help us to walk and live without fear. Help us to become more like you and more like you've created us to be. Amen.